0: Many nursing educators struggle with how to help their learners achieve high standards of practice while at the same time maintaining a caring relationship with the learners. Put another way, how do you maintain high standards while also holding the learner in high regard? The new book by Mary Fay and Sue Gross-Furnaris, Critical Conversations, grapples with helping nurses deal with this dilemma in simulation teaching and learning, clinical teaching and learning, and classroom teaching and learning. When I first saw this book, I was so excited because I believe their approach, which has us help learners understand and relate to the context, analyze what they're thinking, and then chart a course for future action, which they describe as three Cs, context, content, and course is simple, intuitive, and easily applied across the curriculum. This is the Center for Medical Simulation. I'm Jenny Rudolph. Originally trained as a nurse and got her PhD studying how do nurses apply debriefing. She worked for a number of years at the University of Maryland School of Nursing, directing the simulation program there, and then was on staff at the National League of Nursing, where she developed the relationship she has with Sue gross Fernaris, her co-author. We were delighted to recruit Mary to the Center for Medical Simulation a couple years ago, where she now serves as our Associate Director of the Institute for Medical Simulation, our faculty development program. And I'm absolutely delighted to have Mary as a colleague and delighted to talk with her today about her new book, Critical Conversations. How are you doing today?
1: Doing great. Really excited to be here, Jenny, and really excited to be talking about this book, which I think can provide educators real tools to help them improve their learning conversations with their students.
0: So as you might remember, when this book plopped down on my desk after you and Sue Gross-Fernaris brought it out with the NLN, I read it immediately and I literally was running around the Center for Medical Simulation showing it to everybody, discussing it. I was so excited about the potential impact. And I think that's because I see the importance of our getting better at any kind of difficult conversation in the clinical arena, whether it's education, hospital, clinic, nursing school, medical school, what have you. And I see you and Sue as having made some really important headway in that. So I'm delighted to talk more about it with you. I'd like to just start with how the heck did it come about? It's such a great, well-articulated, simple-to-read thing that anybody could pick up and flip to any section and know what to do for their particular Mm -hmm. context, whether it's undergrad nursing or in the clinic or in the hospital or in simulation. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how it came about. Mm -hmm.
1: Jenny, there were a number of things going in the nursing community at the time that really led up to the development of this book. And, And one of them was the research that I did for my PhD thesis which looked at debriefing practices in pre-licensure nursing programs in the U.S. And from that, we learned that the vast majority of debriefers have no training and have never had their competence assessed. And so that sparked a conversation at the National League for Nursing, which led to us convening a debriefing think tank to think about how can we reach nurse educators with practical tools to help them with their debriefing. And that eventually culminated in a couple of things, the debriefing vision statement that was published by the National League for Nursing, and then the National Council, State Boards of Nursing simulation study, and subsequent guidelines which also recommended that all debriefers have training. And also, I think for the first time, helped us all to realize that the teaching techniques we use in debriefing shouldn't be confined to the simulation lab, that they're just good teaching techniques. While this was going on, as you know, I was developing in my career at the Center for Medical Simulation and in the comprehensive instructor course we teach here or our simulation as a teaching tool course that we teach in other places or even in our gateway course that we teach at the National League for Nursing and here in Boston, I was becoming more and more and more aware of how important it is to structure learning conversations in a meaningful way. To achieve the learning outcomes that we hope to get in our students with every encounter. So I think it was all of those things together, so some social forces, some regulatory forces, and then also my own development as an educator here and understanding the importance of language in learning brought it all together so that Sue and I could set out to create a practical guide for educators who want to have learning conversations.
0: I think most educators think that they know how to run a discussion and they can bring their clinical knowledge to bear to help students learn how to apply that clinical knowledge in a simulation or other context. So why do they need
1: debriefing training? I think that's such a great question. You know, I think that a lot of us teach the way we were taught. And I think an overriding paradigm in teaching for many years has been that we are transmitters of information. As learners have evolved, as the technology that supports learning has evolved, and as our thinking about education has evolved, one of the paradigms that I'm noticing in the teaching literature, and I'm thinking specifically about Patricia Benner's book, A Call for Radical Transformation in Nursing Education, which was funded by the Carnegie Institute, And in the debriefing vision statement from the National League for Nursing, the ultimate goal of healthcare education has evolved to become creating reflective practitioners. So we don't just want people who possess a lot of content knowledge. What we really want are people who can use their content knowledge in a discriminating way to answer the clinical problems that are being solved. And an essential part of learning how to use knowledge in context is reflection
0: people who subscribe to what I think some people refer to as the banking method of teaching which is I'm gonna take a deposit of my knowledge and deposit it into your brain that was part of what you think people need to question mm-hmm. and that's why they need debriefing training because they need to move from one model of transmitting knowledge to a passive vessel to some kind of other model. Yes. And can you tell us a little bit about that? I know as I read the preface of the book, it brings up words like meaning making Mm -hmm. and being critical. Mm -hmm. So I want to spend a little time talking about that. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm trained as an organizational behavior scholar, and I read the work of the likes of Carl Weick and others who talk about sense making or the social construction of reality. Mm -hmm. And the idea there is that everything out in the world isn't a concrete thing uh, that everybody sees exactly the same way, but rather there's something else going on there. And I'm thinking that that's part of what you're trying to get at with the Mm meaning-making. Can you tell us a little more about that? Mm -hmm.
1: Sure. In any situation, especially novel situations, we as human beings want to sort of figure out what is going on with the thought of being prepared to take some kind of action. And so if I put that in a clinical context what we as educators are trying to do is help these emerging healthcare professionals make sense of patient situations so that they can take action. So that's kind of abstract. I'm gonna give you a sort of a concrete non-clinical example. So a couple years ago, I was in an airport in uh, South Korea. So it was the first time I was in a big international airport in a country where people didn't speak my language. And so I was understandably nervous. And so I got off the plane thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do? And so I went through a couple steps in sense making, which are steps like gathering data, discriminating about what data is helpful to me and not, what's relevant, what's not relevant. Such as? Okay, I get off the plane. And the first thing I notice data-wise is, okay, the signs are in multiple languages. So I can find my language on these signs. So important data. Then I sift through the data. I ignore any data that's not in my language. I pay attention to what is. I also then activate some prior knowledge. And one of the things I know in a plane is we get off a plane and the herd of cattle tromps down to get their luggage. And so I knew from prior experience that if I generally followed the group of people I was on the plane with, I would probably end up at the luggage counter, which I did. And so all of those little steps of me noticing data, sorting data, uh, deciding what's relevant and what's not, activating prior knowledge so that I could take action, which was safely getting off the plane, getting to my luggage, and getting outside to find transportation, they were the sense-making steps, ended in me creating some meaning from this experience. And the meaning I took away from that experience is, I can navigate in airports, in countries that don't speak my language. And so I left there with a sense of, Competence that in future situations, I could handle that situation. So it sort of, it took away the anxiety, it gave me some new knowledge that I could act on and made me more confident about when I'm in a similar situation. And so if I'm gonna come back to how do we as nurse educators or educators in any profession help our learners the things that we can do with our learners is help them look at the vast amount of data that come to them as practitioners and sort through what's relevant and what's not. Decide of that relevant information, what are we going to act on and what are we not? How do we help them activate prior knowledge, things they learned in the classroom that would apply in this clinical situation? And then after a clinical problem has been solved or a clinical experience has been had, how do we help them reflect on that to identify all those steps that they went through, help them consolidate the meaning in a way that can help them become better practitioners in the future?
0: What's interesting about what you're saying is that there's not only some cognitive work that's being done, but you ended your story in the airport of saying that you felt comfortable and confident that you could navigate a foreign airport even Uh if it wasn't primarily English language. Uh And so it seems like there's a personal efficacy or relational, even if you were relating to the airport. Uh And in our later conversations, I'd like to talk about the links between taking a meaning-making or co-constructing meaning approach, which is I think what you and Sue Furnaris talk about in in the book, Mm -hmm. and the cognitive as well as self-confidence, competence, self-efficacy impacts on learners. Mm -hmm. I'd like to shift gears now and talk a bit about the concept of being critical. Mm -hmm. So this has been a great interest of mine for many years because I noticed as a management professor that Students really struggled, MBA students really struggled with performance reviews, how to do them, how to give each other critical feedback, and people generally shy away from the word criticism, critical, Mm -hmm. anything that has even the whiff of I'm going to critique you in an evaluative way. Yet it seems that you and Sue Forneris have wanted to make a feature of this, to make something positive out of it. Mm -hmm. which i think is pretty surprising to most people so Mm -hmm.
1: what up Mm -hmm. i think i agree with you when people hear the word critical they think oh there's bad news coming and so sue and i really wanted to be sure that people understood the word critical from a different perspective and to be critical really means to examine the assumptions and the values and the perspectives that drive us in different situations because all of us really see the world through our own lens I was raised in a tiny little town in Pennsylvania by a bricklayer and a stay-at-home mom. That's a very different life from someone who was raised in another country with different culture and different values and different priorities. And so I see the world in my way. They see the world in their way. But those perspectives that we bring can drive us when we select the data that we want to pay attention to. They can drive us when we decide what we will take action on and what we will not take action on. And so the act of being critical when you're in the position of an educator, a mentor, a developer of other people is to understand their assumptions and their biases and their values that were brought to bear in that situation because it affected what they saw, what they didn't see, what they paid attention to. We as educators also have to be aware of our own assumptions and biases and perspectives that drive us in our interactions with the learners. And so the act of being critical is not the act of criticizing. The act of being critical is really understanding. And so I think if there's one thing I want educators to come away with when they think about being critical, it's seek first to understand, because only then can we take appropriate action, which is something that I've learned over and over again that we teach in our courses here is we can't prescribe a treatment for a learning problem until we've accurately diagnosed the learning problem. And so the act of being critical is just that, seeking to understand the learner's perspective, because then we understand why they made the choices that they made.
0: So you're using the word critical similar to, for example, how we might use the word for a movie critic or an art critic. It's digging into and looking closely at something potentially with even an appreciative lens Mm -hmm. not just a critical lens and so you're really redefining the common parlance word critical to kind of push us educators to think about it as understanding where the other person's coming from digging in deep.